0: Our scripture, uh, our scripture reading this morning, y'all can sit down. You may have to stand back up, but y'all can sit down. Our scripture morning, this uh, morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's uh, uh, 1182, if you're looking at the Bible in the back of the pew. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And then I'm going to look at one more scripture. Lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having the appearance—that's key—having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into houses, holds and captures weak women, burden them, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. Always learning always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth just as Janus and jambres opposed moses so these men also opposed the truth men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith but they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all as was that of those two men You, however, have not followed. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Icom and at Lystra, which persecution I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus hear me, y'all, will be persecuted while evil, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood Now, don't turn there, but let me just read one more as we prepare our hearts. It's in uh, Acts 20. Verse 28, it says, "...pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Take care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. I know..." This is Paul. "...I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Harsh words, y'all. And last week, as we uh, we'll listen to one more song, I just want you to clear your mind out. Clear your mind out. Understand what we heard last week. About the two roads and the reality of the many and the few and the harsh reality of that. Think about that. If you were a representation of of uh, all the people, all the religious people who have ever lived, more of you are lost than are saved. So let's take a minute, clear our minds, and let's be prepared to really examine our lives to make sure. We're on the right road, right road. It's very possible you could be deceived. You could be saved, but you also could be deceived. So let's prepare our hearts for that. Awesome. Thank you all for coming. I do got to correct uh, Shane right off the get-go. Man, I didn't want to have to correct you this morning. <laughs> but he said uh, he texted a group a while back, you know, the group of guys that he was talking about. He texted us. He said, I'll be going through Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, so you guys pick out some scripture that you want to preach. And as soon as I got that text, I was like, "Bow!" But I didn't want to respond immediately. I didn't want to act crazy. So I waited about an hour, and on a separate text, I texted him back. I said, oh, I guess I'll take, I don't know, mm, chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of False Prophets. I guess I'll take that one. And so I remember talking to Blake, like, uh, I don't know, it might have been the day after. I said, Blake, which text are you going to pick? He said, "Uh, I'm going to pick Matthew 7, chapter 15. I said, "Uh, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 52, and you're 22. I'd see Norton, I'm just kidding. But we actually wanted the the same text, but uh, he let me have it. He did a great job last week. And uh, so, I'm very passionate about this. And let me just say this before I start, and and we'll go quickly. I just want to warn you up front. Up front, we're going to be a little slower on these few scriptures. In the last few minutes, we'll hit the last one, so don't have a myocardial infarction. Y'all know what that means, any medical folks in the house? Don't have a heart attack. If there's 10 minutes to go, and I got three more verses, we will get through. So, hang tight. But we're blessed to be here. And I was talking to Jamie, and my brother there, a few minutes ago. And what I love about this church and one of the reasons I'm here and we don't want to take it for granted is we go through the Scripture. You know, every church says they're built on the Word of God. They all say that. And, and many are. But what I love about Beaver is we go through books of the Bible line by line, verse by verse. And when you do that, you cover, you get the whole counsel of God. And when you're out there defending the faith, you can defend it. So if you jump around like a trampoline on the scriptures all day long, you're just tossed to and fro. So I'm very thankful uh, <clears throat> that we do that here. I'm so blessed. And thank you for allowing me to preach, Shane, Beaver Baptist. I uh, just want to thank you. I'm very passionate about what we're talking uh, talking about today. Uh, false teachers, false prophets, They they not only run havoc on lost folks, they run havoc on saved folks also. Last week we heard the command to enter the gate. The command has been given, and now that demands a response. You're going to travel one of two roads. One involves your work, your effort, your righteousness, your goodness, The other acknowledges that you have none that pleases God. It either involves something that you do to please God or nothing you do to please God. And there can't be any other way. There's no third alternative. You will leave this building today and you're going to realize because you are religious people, you will be on one of the two roads. And there's only, like Blake said last week, there's really, in reality, there's only two religions in the world. Some of you may question that. You go to school and you you read about all these religions. There's only two. The religion of divine accomplishment. You can do nothing. God has done it all. That is the true gospel. The other religion is human achievement. You do something. God does something. And together you make it to heaven. So both roads... Both roads have a sign. It says, heaven. This road over here is very wide. This road over here is very narrow. It's hard to see. Man, when you get at the gate, wow, only one at a time. It's restrictive. You agonize. You suffer. You're persecuted. But over here's another gate. It's very wide. There's no persecution. It's easy. One at a time. And you can come in in groups over here. And at the gate of this wide road stands prophets, teachers, pastors. What are they doing? They're telling you this is the road to heaven. Well, who's on the road? If you look at it. If you observe the road, who's on the road? Over here you have... Man, you got the Jews, God's chosen people, Abraham's physical offspring. And I would ask that false prophet, didn't didn't they kill Jesus? And he would probably say to me, well, Phil, didn't your sins kill Jesus too? You're no better than them. God loves them also. They're not excluded from the wide road. You have Mormons, and I actually talked to a Mormon, Blake and I, at the ball game last year. This cat was cu- quoting scripture, quoting scripture. But he also talked about the Book of Mormon. He says, Look, the scripture is true, but we need the Book of Mormon to really understand what the Bible's saying. The false prophet would tell me, Phil, don't you use commentaries to help study the Bible sometime? Well, they can too. Yeah, they get it wrong sometimes. What about the other group? Jehovah's Witnesses? The false prophet would probably tell me as I talk about them Phil, they're on the streets. Five days a week. Witnessing for me. How many days are you doing that? They're on the road too. Well, who's this other group? He would say, Well, that's the church. Look at them. Look what they're doing. They're praising God. They're saying these, these wonderful things. They're doing miraculous works. I mean, the false prophet would tell me there's no way they can do what they do apart from God being in them. So... They're on the wide woe. Let me tell you something. Beware of false prophets. That brings us to our first scripture. Beware of false prophets. First word, first point. Beware is, is not a suggestion. Beware is a command. It is a command. It is for you grammar folks. It is present tense imperative. Present tense means a continuous ongoing action without ever stopping. Imperative is a command. This is something we should do and we should not ever stop doing it. Ever. The word means to hold one's mind to hold one's mind before, then to take heed, to pay attention, be in a state of alert, to watch out for or be on guard. The word implies being given one's consent as well as one's attention. When used in this manner, beware always warns of some type of danger. It's not simply a call to notice or sense something, but to be on guard against, because it's more than likely it's harmful. And as I was reading that, I was thinking, well, how how can I kind of portray that? And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that talk about it. Love to hunt. I usually hunt in the afternoon. I don't hunt in the morning. And so I like to hunt it in the afternoon. And when I I got two things that tells me to get out of that tree. One, it's dark. I stay in that tree as long as I can. If that buck walks right there, I want to be able to see him. But when it gets where I can't see anymore, I, uh, I know it's time to come down. Or when I hear all the coyotes coming out of their dens, that makes me get out of the tree a little bit quicker. Even though I'm toting a 257 Weatherby, and I can shoot a coyote at 300 yards. Is this something about walking down that narrow road? I have to walk like 300 yards to my tree stand, and you hear coyotes everywhere. So I'm not walk, I don't hear a coyote, and I hear him and I just kind of walk like that, you know? Here's how I walk down that road. <laughs> oh. So I'm on guard, I'm paying attention, I'm alert. That's what it means. Here's a couple of scriptures that talk about that, about being alert. Be, it's Matthew, don't go to it. I'm got a lot of scripture, so don't just write it down if you're taking notes. Be, Matthew 7:15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Beware. False prophets are not something new to Israel. Ever since there have been true prophets, Satan has had. False prophets. In Deuteronomy chapter 13, I'll pick up with uh, verse 3. It says, You should not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is, this is interesting, testing you. Even God has a plan for the, to- the false teacher. He's testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your soul. Right? <clears throat> so, as you go on down at the, at the last verse, it says, So you shall purge the evil from your midst. From the beginning of God's redemptive work on behalf of fallen mankind, his representatives have been marked by two things. They are divinely commissioned and they present a divine message. They are called by God and they declare the message of God and only, that's the key, only that message. A true prophet is God's voice to men. When Moses was called, he said in Exodus 4:10 uh, through 12, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made your mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you, and teach you what you shall speak. So a true prophet spoke the words that come from God. But ever since there's been true prophets, there have been false prophets. It was there in the Old Testament and right here on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus confirms the fact that there are false prophets, those who claim to speak for God. Matthew twenty-four, twenty-four. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Second Peter 2, 2. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So what we see here, this is not an isolated case they have been here they are here and they will be here all right so be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves the prophet wears the sheep's clothing think about that in the culture uh, the shepherd wore the clothing of the sheep what does that mean if you, would, if, if you would go back to where they would shepherd sheep right now, guess what? They would look the part. In all reality, if they got close to you, you'd probably smell them too. They're not going to be out there wearing a three-piece suit. They wore the, the clothing of the sheep. Just an interesting side note, as I was studying this, when John the Baptist came on the scene, you remember that? When he was coming down, what was he wearing? What was he wearing? Well, camel's hair. If you were there then, you're, you would say probably, man, this dude is whack. This dude is whack. But guess what? That's what, it was 400 years since the last prophet. And now here he comes wearing camel's hair. That's what prophets wore back in the day. 2 Kings 1.8 uh, talks about Elijah wear a garment of hair. Scripture also states that false prophets will, be, will look the same way. The point of this text is, If they look like you, if they smell like you, if they dress like you, if they look the part, then your your alarm will be down. Your guard will be down. Jesus said, don't do that. False prophets are not always easy to spot. They are not always easy to spot. They don't come in most of the time just with blatant lies, right? They're hard. They're hard to spot. I was thinking about Jim Jones. You guys remember Jim Jones? You young guys don't remember Jim Jones. I barely remember Jim Jones. But when he first came on the scene, he was accepted by everybody. But not long after that, what did they do? They drank the Kool-Aid. And I I think about today, in 2020, you may know this guy's name, and you're probably going to be real grateful for him uh, because of on March, I think I got the date right, March 22nd. Of this year, at 1230, 1232, this guy said, as he stood in the office of the prophet of God, he said, I curse you, COVID-19. It is over. It is finished. Gone. So as of 1222, March 22nd, aren't you grateful that Kenneth Copeland got rid of COVID-19? Aren't y'all grateful? Aren't you glad we don't deal with COVID-19 today? False prophet, beware of him. He's wrong on COVID. He's wrong on the gospel. Beware of him. Jesus said, beware because these false prophets dress in the uniform of the sheep. They hide who they are. They will learn to use narrow gate language. They will learn to emulate hard road living. They will learn to masquerade as small crowd people. They will learn to trick you that you're on the the road that leads to life, but you're on the road that leads to hell. Most of them, most of them are deceived themselves. That's why we need to pray for them. That's why we need to pray for them. So why do people follow them? Here's why they do. Why can't they recognize them? Because they are biblically and theologically illiterate. They're biblically and theologically illiterate. One of the main things I live by, I even I think I said it last time I preached here a few years ago, and I told a girl, even, I think it was Friday night, we must know what we believe, and we must know why we believe that. The average Christian today really has no clue what they believe. How do I know that? Because for 20 years, I was tossed to and fro. To and fro. I was talking to Pooh a few minutes ago before the sermon. And we were just talking about how we would listen to people. I remember when I first got saved, uh, we lived on Valley Street in Covington. And, and I would watch this guy every night on TV. And I asked him, I said, who was it, my wife? I said, who was it? And she, and she guessed exactly who he was. He is one of the biggest wolves around today. He's still on TV. And what we do a lot of times is we listen to people, we start to trust them, and when they say something that doesn't line up with Scripture, a lot of times we just kind of let that go. You can't do that. I did that for years. And just because it sounds right and they seem really smart and confident in what they're saying, we've always got to test them with Scripture. Isaiah 8.20 says, to the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. What does that mean? They have no light. They're void of the Holy Spirit. And they can't get the things of God because they're not connected to God. And they're blinded. They don't know God. They don't know the truth. And they have to have the Holy Spirit to do that. The Bible says, Thy word is truth. So the teaching of the false prophet cannot withstand, this is big, y'all, a teaching of a false prophet teacher cannot withstand the scrutiny under the divine light of Scripture. But aren't you glad, God, how God works? You don't have to be a, a seminary graduate. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a uh, just extremely smart to get what the Scripture says. I'm so grateful for that. If you don't know this, I'm not the sharpest, knife in the drawer. Cindy, don't say anything. My wife over here, she's like, amen. But I'm not. But God doesn't work like that. He doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit who is in me is my teacher. So if we don't know the Bible and if we don't know doctrine and we don't know theology, it will be impossible to identify false prophets. So so if they're deceiving, what do they use to deceive people? This is interesting. What do they use? They use the Bible. False teachers use the Bible. That's what they do. They take Scripture, and, you, and you ha, in order to test them, you have to know the Scripture. They take Scripture, and they twist it. And they, and they use the Bible, they use narrow gate language, so they pray on people who are biblically and theologically illiterate. And so we have a lot of division in the church today. And all this disagreement in church and people a lot of times will say, Man, look, can't we just get along? Can't we just overlook sometimes these things that they're saying that are falsely, mainly pertaining to the gospel? Here's the deal. No, we can't. We cannot overlook it. In the times of Paul, you know, he dealt, you know, the Pharisees, the scribes. Uh, Matthew 23:27 says, Woe to you, this is Jesus, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful. Did y'all hear that? Outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead, uh, dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So they look the part, but inside they are ravenous wolves. And people might say this, well, I think you're judging, Phil. You know what John 3.16 says. God loves the world. You're not being very loving right now. And isn't it amazing, we, just, we started uh, even talking to Christians when dealing, dealing with this topic, they always go to this verse. Always. But what's interesting also, people who don't say they're Christians, even atheists, they go to the same verse. What verse do you think they know? We've already covered it. Uh, Matthew 7, right? Here's what they would say. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way, you judge others, you will be judged. And, and with the same measure, use it. It will be measured to you. So Phil, quit judging. Quit judging. And we've been there, done that. We've covered that scripture. We know that, yes, we don't judge the world We don't condemn the world. Why? They're already judged. They're already condemned. But within the fellowship, within the professing believers, yes, we do judge. In Titus chapter 1, Shane will be very, very familiar with this. This is is a requirement for Shane. One of the requirements for Shane to be our pastor. Right? Uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 9 says, He must hold firmly to the trust. Shane, ready? Ready? Okay. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also what? rebuke those who contradict it. Shane, that is a command, you know that? That is not a suggestion. That's one of his responsibilities as the pastor. I just can feel like when I'm driving home today, my phone will ring a big Pastor Shane. He said, Phil, could you come here Monday morning? we got to have a little rebuking session. Up. <laughs> but if I'm off, guess what? He better. He better. That's his job. But he does. He overs us. He protects us. That's what he does a great job at it also. And his job is, but does that alleviate the individual sheep from being responsible to, do, to be on guard and beware. Look at Jude. I think it's on the screen. Jude, a servant of, Christ, of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was eager. Listen, let me tell you something. He was eager to write about our common salvation. He was fired up and eager to talk about their common salvation. Mm. I found it necessary to write appealing you to what? Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of, God, of our God into sensuality and now our, our only Lord and Master Jesus Christ. So my question to those people here in this room who are professing believers, are you called? Yeah. Are you beloved in God? Yes. Are you kept for Jesus? Yes. Then fight for the faith. Contend for, this is a military word, contend, wrestle, wrestle argue for the faith. We have to do that. To do that, we have to know the book. Since we are to beware, how are we to discern a false prophet or teacher? Well, what are they going to do? They're going to bear, 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 they're going to bear bad fruit. One, bad, li- bad teaching. Two, bad living. Outwardly, they're going to look real good. We got to become pretty good fruit inspectors. Verse 16 says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot, uh, cannot bear bad fruit, nor, a, nor can a diseased tree uh, bear good fruit. So, what do we need to do? We need to examine the fruit. A fruit tree may be beautiful, it may be decorative, it may offer pleasant shade for summer, but its primary purpose is to bear fruit, and therefore, therefore, judged by what it produces, not how it looks. If y'all gonna remember a couple things from me that I'm saying today, that's one of them: judged by what it produces, not how it looks. John uh, in John 15. You know it well. It says, uh, it's the, the abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears fruit. Apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. So, what is the chance of a false teacher or prophet or even you, even you, to bear good fruit apart from the attachment? It's zero. Bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And if he remains in that state, he goes to eternal hell. So, as we look back in redemption history, because we know false prophets, just as soon as God called true prophets, there were false prophets. How did Israel know who a false teacher was? It's in Deuteronomy eighteen 20. I'm not going to read it, but I'll just summarize it. I'll read the first verse. But a prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And I'm sure Kenneth Copeland does not want to be during this time period, or he'd be dead at this point. So, In verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, this is the test, one of the tests. If the word does not come to pass or true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. So Israel would test several ways, one being, did it come true? A true prophet from God actually speaks the words of God to an intended audience. What about us today? What's our test? We're not, we're not in that time period. What is our test? Very important. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. How? The prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken past tense, to us in the Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So in times past, in Moses' day, they knew how to test the prophet. What is our test? It's the Word of God. In these last days, what does that mean? From Christ's first coming to His second coming. In these last days, He speaks through His Son. This is how God speaks the Scripture. The first sign of a false prophet, he speaks things as though they come from God, but they are not found in God's Word. Say a lot of things are right. They quote scriptures. Pay attention. Who else quoted scriptures? The devil. And what I'm seeing for the most part in today's times, when it comes to false teaching, I'm seeing uh, preachers, that's why I said at the beginning of the service, preachers taking text out of context to say something that they want to say that God never said. Beware of false prophets. Beware. If they say this, and we look here, I've been guilty of it. You know, God told me to tell you. You know, I heard God tell me this, or I heard God say this, or this or that. Be careful. Be careful. I've been guilty of saying that. I'm not saying we're not led by the Spirit. I'm not, because we are. There's God's providence. He does things that we just can't even comprehend. But God has spoken. This is what He said in His Word. So if they say, God told me to tell you this, what are they saying? God told me, God said, what they say carries the same weight of Scripture. Not happening. Not happening. So when I, read, when I read these Scriptures, one thing that crossed my mind when we're dealing with false prophets, can there be people under false prophets or false teachers and still be saved? Can they? Yeah, they can. You probably, you probably know a few of them. I will say this. It's extremely dangerous. Because false prophets don't with what they preach with a false gospel, do not produce true converts. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles, right? From a distance, they seem good, but inside they're ravenous wolves. And, and, and a person who is under the influence of a, of a false teacher or a false prophet, it's a red flag. Not saying it can't happen, but the Bible says, my sheep, they know me, they hear me, they follow me, a stranger they will not follow. So if you have a friend that you know that is under one, uh, definitely you want to go and talk to them. So beware of them. Bad teaching and bad living. Now, before we get to bad living, I added this uh, just the other day. I already had this written out, but... Notice you have to examine by what they say, but what else? What they don't say. How can we do that? How can we how can we do that? How can we we listen to what they say is is what he's saying. I'm listening, is what he's saying lining up with the book. But also watch what he doesn't say. You turn on TBN, you'll see a, a preacher that he smiles a lot. Uh, biggest church in America. He says a lot of things that are right. Now, he twists Scripture like the best of them. But, if you, but he also says things are right. What does, he do, what does he don't say? He don't talk about sin. He don't talk about repentance. He don't talk about persecution. That follows every believer. He don't talk about suffering that follows the breath. He excludes that. What happens when He excludes the things that happen on the narrow road? They come by the thousands. Give it to me. Favor, blessing, prosperity. And they're like, I'll take it. Give me two of them. I'll take it. And the churches, you know them by what they don't say. You have to be careful. Jesus, uh, he did the exact opposite. I just think about when crowds were following him. If I observed him that day, if I observed Christ, you know, and he's, he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to get hung, they're following him by thousands. If we look back then, we say, man, that dude's saying something right. Look at the thousands of people following him. Man, he's a, he must be a good teacher, a good prophet. What does Jesus do? He does exactly the opposite of what we think he should do. He turns to him. He might would say this, and he did say this. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And they're like, oh, eating flesh, drinking blood. I um, Take it easy, brother. Love you. We gone. Hate your mother. Hate your father. Hate your children. If you don't love me more than them, hear me. You can't be my follower. And as he's walking to Jerusalem, and you can, there are already people hanging on trees. And he stops. And if you're not willing to take up your cross, If you're not willing to die for me, you can't follow me. Harsh words. The crowds thin out. As we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, we read this long list. Arrogant, proud, lovers of money, lovers of self, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. How do you know what they teach and how they live? They're they're very damned. What do we look for? I mean, because a false teacher or believer, they can only fake it for so long. The flesh cannot fake a Holy Spirit life, but but for so long, and then it's going to come out. So what do we look for? Not only in them, but you and I. We've already covered it. Poor in spirit. Those who mourn, meek, Those who hunger for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemaker, persecuted, true prayer, true fasting, true giving. This is what we look for. 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This is judgment. This is judgment. In 1 John 4, 1-3, it says, Look. Beloved, don't believe every spirit. Test them. Test them. Acts 17 and 10 verse 11. It says this. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And then when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews, these Jews, were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They were noble. They received the word with eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. So as Paul would bring the word, what would they do? They were excited to hear it. What would they do? They would test Paul. Look here. Rodney's not here today. I saw Morgan. Rodney Moody, if our internet's working, he's watching by Facebook, okay? If uh, Rodney Moody has, he started a rumor about me. I don't know if y'all know this. Y'all know Rodney Moody? If you don't get to meet him, he's a cool guy. He's been telling folks, I didn't raise somebody from the dead. Did y'all know that? Did you know that Pooh? Ronnie's telling folks that Phil Ramsey raised somebody from the dead. No, he didn't. But Paul raised somebody from the dead. He did miraculous signs and wonders. And they listened to him. They listened. Yes, Paul, we're eager. Talk to us. Give us the word. We got it. We hear it. Now let's check it. That's what you do to me. That's what you do to Shane. That's what you do to Morgan, Blake, Chris, Rodney, test. That's a good thing. Testing is a good thing. Don't be, don't be, feel bad about testing, folks. If I'm wrong, please come to me. I've been wrong so much in my life, so much. So they must. Now we can be wrong on some stuff. We, you know, think about this. There's a lot of denominations. Why? We don't all agree. We just don't. But we have to get the gospel right. We have to get it right. And, and, and if somebody preaches a false gospel, right, we have to mark them. We have to beware of them. We have to avoid them. We have to warn others. Our culture would say, Phil, that's nasty. That's judgmental. Uh, that's what they would say. But God says, test the spirits. Beware of false prophets. Expose Don't walk away and turn your head. Expose the deeds of darkness. Refute those who contradict sound teaching. Contend for the faith. Beaver Baptist. Contend for the faith. Not because we like to fight. We don't take delight in the fight. We take delight in the truth. Now hear me out. I have to check myself on this one. At night... (laughs) To go to sleep, I have to watch TV. I just—I have a hard time sleeping, and so at night I get my remote control and and I'm—I just—I just go through the religious channels. I, that's just what I. <laughs> I go through TBN and this network and and uh, and I'll listen. I'm like, and I and Cindy's there and i like, and I pause it. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what this cat said, Cindy? Cindy's so like, you better check yourself. <laughs> You better check it because I do. I do get mad and I do step off. Look, when you say something Daddy didn't say, my first thing is Daddy didn't say that. Daddy didn't say that. But we have to remember this. They're blind. And the only thing that separates me from them is God's mercy and His grace. I too was the same way. The same way. So we don't delight in the fight. Look here we delight in the truth what is the truth thy word is truth does it line up with the book does it line up with the book so false teachers produce false converts not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but those who do the will of my father who is he- is in heaven on that day that day many will say to me Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? Now hear me out. We ain't talking about... And This is actually... I got this wrong. The Sermon on Mount has corrected my thinking. He's not talking about everybody. This is religious. These The people on the road are religious people. It's not the atheists, the agnostics, the heretics. It's not pagans. These folks say they're devoted, but they're deluded they're deceived for several reasons like Blake said last week they hold to a false doctrine of assurance maybe they just said a prayer maybe they raised their hand or they've been baptized every time I share the gospel nine times out of ten when I press in this is what they say but second Corinthians says look you got to examine your life to make sure you're in the faith and we can know Bible's very clear. We can know that we're in the faith. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Also, the whole book of 1 John, I would encourage you to read that. But notice what they're saying. Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord. They had a spirit of zeal and devotion. But here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of of heaven. What does that mean? Because when I go, Hey, Lord, I'm saying it too. They're saying it too. Not everyone that says this is going to heaven. It's not the sayers that enter the kingdom. It's the doers. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So what's God's will? What's His will? To believe and obey. Believe and obey. John 8:31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed on Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You never ever can separate salvation from obedience. Hebrews 5.9 And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who, what? Obey him. True salvation, true faith, is never, they're never separated. A faith without fruit, a faith without works, James said is what? That's a dead faith. True faith always produces fruit. 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? That's not a bad thing, right? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? Let me just say this. If you stand before Christ and He says, why should I let you in? And if you can stand before Him and say this, you know, I'm, not a, I'm a fairly good guy. I've done a lot of bad things, but I'm a pretty good guy. You know, and I do this, and I do that, and I do this. This is what I do, God. If you're going to stand before God and you're going to say, look what I do, you have no clue what He did. You don't do that. So these people are standing and saying, Look at what we did. What will he say to them? 23. He will declare to them, I never knew you. Never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In the original language, what does this mean? This means never, ever, not ever, ever has God ever known you at all. Never. He has never known you at all. He knows you live. He's God. But he doesn't know you intimately. Luke 1. Luke one thirty four says, Then then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Same word. Intimate knowledge. He will say, I never knew you. True story. A couple years ago, Maybe, maybe three now. I was uh, Reagan, my daughter, who, who was hired to cut a yard. It was a churchyard, And so she, I was, of course, I usually cut it, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I remember that day I was weeding. remember it like it was yesterday. I had, I had cowboy boots on and shorts. It wasn't a pretty sight. had a hat on. I had my earbuds in. I, got, I was listening to a sermon, and I'm weeding down the road. And I notice in my peripheral vision I see feet and so this lady walks over to me by the road. And, and I said to myself, I said, Lord, I cannot, I'm going to have to share the gospel with her. I mean, send her right to me. And say, so we just had this conversation. She's like, do you work here? I said, no, uh, no, I'm Phil. I'm, I'm I'm, are, you, are you the picture guy? Yeah, you do all the pictures. Yeah, I know who you are. And we began to talk. And I said, uh, I said, I got to ask you a question. I said, ma'am, are you saved? She said, yeah, I'm saved. I was saved by the Church of Christ when I was a little girl. I said, have you ever been saved by the blood of the Lamb? And she looked at me funny. And then I, then I asked her another question. I learned this from Laura Lee, by the way, and Laura Lee, go for her. I said, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Do you know Willie Nelson? She said, Willie Nelson? I said, yeah, you know him. She said, that country music uh, guy, you know him. I don't listen to country music. Uh, I said, she said, I'm a rock and roll girl. I said, well, let me ask you this. You know Van Halen? You know Van Halen? Oh, yeah. I know Van Halen. I know them. I said, tell me about that time you met Van Halen. She said, I ain't never met him. I said, have you ever met Jesus? And she sat there and looked at me. She says, i got to sit down. And so we walked over to the steps of the porch. She sat on the steps. And I, and I was sitting. I get animated when I talk. And so she was there. I said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I took the scarlet thread of Jesus Christ and threaded it through the Old Testament to His birth, born of a virgin. Without sin. Lived his whole life without sin. Obeying God the Father. Not one time ever disobeying Him. And because of His obedience, He became totally righteous. And by being righteous, He is the only person ever that has or will exist could be the perfect lamb for the perfect sacrifice to redeem sinful people. And I walked through and I walked through the cross and how God poured His wrath out on His Son and He was a propitiation. God was satisfied with that. Jesus Christ's blood paid for the sins paid for the sins of the believers. And then He says, Telesta, it's finished. And He died. Took Him down off the tree. Put Him in the grave. Three days later, He rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting to come back and get His people. And I looked over at her, and she was bawling. And here's what she said. Why hasn't anybody told me this? Why hasn't anybody told me this? I says, do you believe it? She says, I do. I said, repent of your sins and trust Christ. And about that time a, a guy walked out of the church and she looked over to him. And he said, He just told me the best news ever. I said, You tell him what I just told you. So I don't know where she's at today. I pray she's saved. Last verse, we'll close in two minutes. This is next week, Shane, right? Everyone who hears the words of mine, do you hear me? Are you hearing me? Everyone who hears the words of mine and what? And does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The hearers are the doers. Examine your life. Where are you at? Are you depending on some good work that you're doing to merit Christ? Did you say a prayer when you were little? Did you walking out; those things are good. I did every bit of that, I'm saved. That's not bad, but don't trust that for your salvation. Are you going to church in fruit? By the way, Christianity isn't it a; it's not; it's not something you observe. It's your lifestyle, right? Are you producing? God, are you walking in obedience to the Word? Last paragraph, and then Shane, come up. This verse was in a uh, it was in a cathed- written on a cathedral in Germany, and it goes like this: "Thus speaketh Christ our Lord to us: You call me Master, and obey me not; you call me Light, and see me not; you call me the Way, and walk me not; you call me Life, and live me not." You call me wise, and you follow me not. You call me fair, and love me not. You call me rich, and ask me not. You call me eternal, and you seek me not. You call me gracious, and trust me not. You call me noble, and serve me not. You call me mighty, and honor me not. You call me just and do not accept my justice. If I condemn you, blame me not. Examine your life. Shame.
1: Beware of false prophets, false teachers. Because they are many. Beware also that you haven't deceived yourself. Thinking you are saved when you're not let's pray father we thank you for your word father we thank you that we can study your word and know your will and know your ways and know you father there are many who teach but don't teach rightly Father, I pray that you would help us be a church that teaches your word rightly. That we'd be a people who are discerning. Because we know your truth, we can see error. Father, use us in the lives of our family members and our neighbors and our co-workers. use us to share truth and to teach truth. And Father, we also know that we can be deceived thinking we are your child when we are your enemy. Father, for our people, for the Boys and girls, men and women, the young and the old, I pray that You would help us to help us to know You. Father, if there's any here that are deceived and thinking they know You because of uh, an experience or because of what they've done, if they're trusting anything other than Christ's death and resurrection. Father, I pray that You would make that known this morning. Father, I pray that You would open blind eyes and deaf ears. We could understand rightly the truth of the gospel we could repent and trust Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. Do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.